Hello, everybody. We're the ministry team at Even and Light Tabernacle in Menden, Louisiana. We're a Bible-believing church, and today we're here to proclaim once again that Jesus Christ is real. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, Amen. a living God, Amen. one present for his people. And um, we're happy that you joined us today for today's discussion. And uh, last week we ended on how uh, do we receive the Holy Ghost? And we went to the eternal prescription that Peter laid down, one that cannot be tampered with. It is the absolute prescription for the new birth, and that is repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I think a viewer had a question, and today we want to discuss that as we go into the true church and who she is. This is the question that, that was um, sent here. It says, if I have repented and have been baptized, does that mean I have also already received the Holy Ghost? And so there is um, a question among people, do they receive the Holy Ghost when they believe? So in other words, just by simple faith and making a profession of faith, um, that is the Holy Ghost. Is that the common thought today? It is, but there's a, there's a problem with that um, according to the scriptures. Because um, in Acts uh, 19, Paul passing to the upper coast of Ephesus, finding certain disciples, said, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you have believed? Yes. And then he also says, And after you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. So, you know, it comes subsequent to believing, not upon believing. Uh, when you believe and you realize that Jesus Christ is the Savior, and you repent of your sins, turning from them, then you are a candidate for the baptism of the Holy Ghost that comes after believing in Christ. So As, that begs the question for the people, uh, if they've repented, or supposedly repented, and been baptized, and yet their life still doesn't manifest the Holy Ghost, where is the issue? Well, there's only one place it can be. Because if they were baptized correctly, if they were baptized correctly, in the name of Jesus Christ, the only other step is repentance. So there, there had to be error somewhere in their repentance, whereas it wasn't a, a, a true repentance from the heart. Maybe they were sorry, but there is a difference between being sorry and repenting. You know, even the Bible would say that Judas was sorry. Yes. Yeah. There's an example of that in the scriptures, um, in Acts chapter eight, Simon the sorcerer marveled at the miracles that was following Philip. The Bible said that he was baptized, but you find that Peter rebuked him and told him his heart was not right with God. And there was an issue there because he thought that you could buy the Holy Spirit. And in that case, he had not received it at that point because his heart was not right with God. But if we genuinely repent and are baptized in Jesus Christ's name, and are believing unto the promise of the Holy Spirit, then the promise is sure we shall receive it. That's God right. is obligated to Amen. you. Amen. So we were in our discussion um, on our last time about how that 
it wasn't so from the beginning and so that Jesus took us to the beginning. Yet, as we have been talking, there are 41,000 different denominations. And yet no man can organize the Holy Ghost. Amen. And yet there's hundreds of, of organized churches, organized religion, hundreds of different views and, and ideas, hundreds of churches seem like one on, the ever, on every corner and all claim to be right. And this does not resemble the early church. Amen. But what actually denomination does, instead of making one body, it causes division and causes great damage to the body of Christ because it, it forms a set of doctrines and rules and regulations and then people become that by membership instead of by birth. Right. Well said. Well, even Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. So it's one vine but multiple branches. Mm-hmm. And so if the church is a part of that one vine, they should be putting forth the same branch that we've been speaking of in the book of Acts, which is a true church. Bearing the same fruit. Bearing the same fruit. But what we find today is we got multiple branches or multiple vines and multiple branches. Yeah. Because there's offshoots to every denomination in itself. Well, I think it's, you know, kind of parallel to like an orange tree. You can have a citrus tree and yeah. let's say its original rootstock is orange. And so it originally puts forth oranges. But then men come along and they graft on it other citrus varieties like lemon or um, grapefruit or, or lime or some other varieties. And now you have an orange tree that is not producing oranges alone. It's producing all different kinds of variety exactly. of citrus fruit. Mm-hmm. And But if the tree the orange tree ever puts forth another branch, it will write another book of Acts behind it. It'll yes. have the same fruits that the root had. Right. And I think this is it. You know, Jesus prayed a prayer. And he said, he prayed that we all might be one. He said, um, even Father as I and thee are one. And so, you know, how was Jesus and the Father one? The, the Father that sent him came in him. Right. And when we are truly one with God, it's when Jesus comes into our life. The Spirit of Jesus comes in us to do the same works that he does right. and, and live the same type of life that he did. And, and that's where the new birth is so important. If I'm, if I'm birthed of the same spirit that Brother Craig's birthed of, then we'll both do the same works. If we have the same fruit tree life like you spoke of in us, if I put forth oranges and he puts forth grapefruits, we don't have the same life within us. Which is where when man began to substitute things like creeds and church joining and just believing and things like that and substituted that for the new birth, they did away with the commonality that Jesus was praying for that we would all be one. We can't all be one if you go to a certain church that believes you just have to believe this doctrine, but you go to a church that believes you just have to believe that doctrine. Automatically, you've been separated. Mm-hmm. You're not one. And, and the commonality is they took away the genuine new birth that would make y'all have the same life and put forth the same fruits. Yeah. Well, you know, they're trying to do that with a forced unity today. You know, with ecumenism and, you know, everybody lay down your differences, your different ideas, your whatever. And, and, you know, everybody just 
you know, love one another and let's be the church that Jesus said. But really to be the church that Jesus said, we would have to come back to Bible teaching, to right. Bible life, to the life of Christ again. And so it wouldn't be a forced unity like the Tower of Babel, right. but it would be rather um, Christ in you, the hope of glory, living out of your life, producing the same fruits that the life of Jesus did. So the first, the first church, when Jesus commanded or commissioned the church, he said, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils. And, and the first church fulfilled that commission to the letter. Right. The very shadow of Peter healed the sick. That was the emphasis. That was the message of the church was to call them out of sin, to, to open the prison doors, to heal the sick to proclaim the blood of Jesus Christ, the, the good news. How vastly different the message is today. Right. If the same life that was in Christ who healed the sick and raised the dead and cleansed the lepers was now in the church and they produced the same thing in the first church, if we're the true church, then we must produce what the first church produced. Right. So we can judge by the pattern what is true and what is false. So, you know, if he is the same, then he would have the same attitude toward the sick, the same attitude toward the lost, the same attitude toward mercy and grace, yeah. the same attitude toward his word Amen. Right. Um, that, that he had then because it would be the same Jesus. His same attitude toward sin? That's right. Same attitude toward sin. Absolutely. So the denominations, if Jesus, his want and his desire, his prayer was that we be one, and we see denominations that comes in and builds walls. You know, there's walls to keep their people to believe a certain thing. We have to say denominations is not of Christ, is of man. That's right. Yeah. And the very first thing that that, that Pentecost achieved was it tore down the middle walls that separated, and it Amen. created it created a brotherhood. Amen. Is what, and they had all things in common, and they were one mind and one accord. Right. And that Whereas, was to get the gospel of Christ. Amen. That's right. That's right. Not to build their own kingdom. When you find kingdom building, once again, what you find is Babylon. Because it's a bunch of different voices causing confusion. And that's what you see. And so we have changed the gospel today to prosperity or, you know, to uh, uh, feel good religion, uh, just easy believism, you know. But when the Holy Spirit comes, you really don't have to beg people to pray or beg them to worship God. You don't or to do what's right. They're just so in love with right, Jesus. And, right. and I think that's the whole thing. It's when the love of God, the Holy Ghost, comes in a person's life, it produces a love for God, a love for His Word, Amen. a love to go to church. Yeah, Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. We just love to go to church. I love to worship God. And nobody, it's not a forced religion. Exactly. That's right. Exactly. Absolutely. I think the Scripture is very clear, back to what we were talking about there, about a, a unity and how denomination does, doesn't create that unity. That unity can only come by the Holy Spirit. That's right. And it says in the scriptures in, in 1 Corinthians 1 and 10, it says, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, mm -hmm. and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. 
And this is not possible under a system of man. Right. Only it, the Holy Ghost could. It can't be legislated. Yes. Only the Holy Ghost. That's right. Absolutely. And it wasn't the mind of Paul or the mind of Peter. That's the right. The same right. mind was the same exactly. Jesus. No. The mind of Christ. It wasn't kingdom building no. or some personality cult. It was absolutely the mind of Christ came into them and they were of the same mind. This is why the Bible said in Acts 1.14, and they continued all with one accord in prayer and supplication. Now, I just asked the question, how did God get a bunch of Jews together in one accord? Yeah. I mean, 120 people and you have 120 different opinions. That's right. But they had one thing in mind. That's right. One thing in mind, and that was in Luke 24, 49, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, Amen. but tear you in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued with power yeah, from right. on Amen. high. And I think if that become the cry of the church, yeah. endue us with that power from right. on high. Because he said in Acts 1 and 8, You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And so that's what really makes the true oneness and makes us one is when you receive the Spirit, I receive the Spirit, then we're of one mind. And, and you know, even though we still may have difference, a little a different opinions, a little, uh, our own individual personalities, yet we all have one standard, and that's the Word of God, and it has right. the preeminence in each one of our lives. And even when we have a different idea, we have to say, humble down to the Word of God. This is what the Word says. That's right. Absolutely. That's right. And it begins to manifest itself out. We all, when we all have the same goal, just like on the, after the day of Pentecost, they didn't go forward and sit down and discuss and say, well, what program can we implement to begin to get people to come in? They, they went forth in power and demonstration because they were in one mind and one accord to, to lift up the kingdom of God and to tear Satan's kingdom down. And that became their passion, that became their focus, and the works followed just as the word promised that it would. Amen. Well, that's, that's what is so mysterious. When, when people view even our church and what God is doing among us, and they see young people sitting on the front row, they're not mandated, they're not told to do that, but there they are entering into worship. And I don't mean one or two, I mean, you know, 30, 40, 50 young people sitting there worshiping God, little from, from 11, 12, 15, 18, 25 year old people as well as adults. And there are people that are on fire for God Amen. and worshiping God with all of their heart. And this amazes people. But, but because somehow they have lost the attraction right. and they think entertainment, some program. So what program are you doing it? Well, I just tell you what we're doing. I'll let the world know our secret. We're giving them all pills. Yeah. <laughs> and the pill we're giving them is the gospel. Yes, sir. And when we get the gospel of Jesus Christ and the life of the blood in them, yes. oh, it makes them love God Amen. and love his word. Oh, we've had people ask us, well, we see your youth group. So what, what do you do to, to keep them? And how, you know, young people don't even hardly come to our church anymore. And, and if they do, it's because mom or dad drug them. Well, what are you doing special? And what it is is, like you said, you're preaching the word and they're seeing it in power, in demonstration. It's not just word. And so it is a, it still has its attraction yes. because they see it's a living God, that there is a real God, a real power, and it's changed their lives. 
Modern thinking is that um, the young people won't respond to these ancient teachings and the Bible and the old traditional ways that the people just won't respond. But that wasn't so with the first church. The first church, he said, I write unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you young men because you have overcome the wicked one. Mm. I write unto you little children because you have known the father. I have written unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. I've written unto you young men because you are strong and the word of God abideth in you and you have overcome the wicked one. Amen. So if that was in the first church, we're sure seeing it today too. (laughs) A love for the word. I I think the whole key of that is you know, is that you're known, you're known, you're known of the Father. Amen. You, you know God. All of these things, and I think that is the attraction, is coming to know the living God in the power of his resurrection. Instead of, you know, trying to entertain these kids, get them filled with the power Amen. of God. Amen. Amen. Because, uh, you know, it's not to us just an ancient truth that God it's lifting him up out of history and bringing him into Amen. present Amen. day, showing that Jesus Christ is the same. Yes. The word power there, when it speaks of you shall receive power, that word power is dunamis. Yeah. And I love the definition. It says the power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature. Amen. Amen. So the power that's residing in us by the virtue of the nature, which is the nature of Christ. That's well, right. and the word dunamis is where we get the word dynamite Exactly. Amen. And I'll tell Amen. you, you it get somebody nice. with power, That's with right. dynamite on the inside of them. That's right. You know, Shake I mean, it's explosive <laughs> wherever they go. You know, they're shaking the world. Exactly. People will say they've been with Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. That's but, what we want to we see. we could never receive the Holy Spirit without the word pattern. Because, right. because the Bible said he gave the Holy Ghost to them that obey him. Right. Amen. And that is God's provided pathway to receiving life. It's his provided approach is his word. Amen. So it, it, as we sum up this session today, you know, in Acts 2.22, it, it would say, ye men of Israel hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved, which means authenticated or proved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you. So if that was what the head would be. Wouldn't the body be the same? Amen. So a people that, a church that is approved of God, um, authenticated, approved of God by miracles, by wonders and signs, which God does in the midst of us as Jesus Christ is shown to the world to be the same yesterday, today, and forever, the God who still heals, delivers, saves. Amen. Amen. And he not only saves, but he keeps. That's right. As we see, you're sealed into the day of redemption until your bodies are changed. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining with the ministry team at Evening Light Tabernacle. For more information on what you have heard today, please visit us at eveninglight.net. May God bless you.